You may be seated. Good morning, everyone. Let's open with a word of prayer. Father God, as we come before you this morning to hear your word, Lord, I ask that you would open our hearts and minds to what you have for us, that you would close our ears to any error that I may speak. And Father, as we contemplate your word, as we contemplate what you teach us about fear, Lord, I pray that you would help us to learn where we are fearful in our own lives, to examine those parts of our lives over these next couple weeks where we struggle with fear, that you would help us to give those parts to you, that you would help us to learn what it means to be courageous in you, where fear is appropriate, where fear is inappropriate, what it means to trust. And Lord, that you would begin to push us and prod us into those areas where we are fearful you would help us to learn to be people who take chances in our faith, chances in our life, that we would learn to live and not simply exist. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I remember um, back when COVID began, does everybody remember those days? I mean, it seems like it's been forever now. Um, it was one of my earliest sermons. I was preaching. Um, man, it must have been, was it March when it started, uh, 18 months ago? I remember we heard about it. I remember I was a podcaster. I listened to podcasts. Uh, mostly back then, even my eyes or my brain was a little worse than it was now with the medicines I'm on. And so I had to listen to a lot more podcasts, couldn't watch TV as much. And I heard tale of this thing happening in China. And I knew that it was coming this way, and I knew a lot of people were getting sick. And I kind of knew things were going to get a little worse than probably a lot of people here, just because I'd listened to long-form interviews on it. I knew it was coming on the West Coast, and uh, then it hit, and it started to get bad. And it felt like when the vestry began to meet, uh, we were... We were ahead of the game a little bit when we started to meet, but we still couldn't keep up with the news. Every time we made a decision, it seemed like a little bit later that week, uh, the rules would change on us. So we made a decision to uh, mask, and then the rules would change, and we made a decision to do this, and the rules would change. And it was kind of the situation that every leadership group in the city and every leadership group across the country felt. And of course, nobody knew what was going to happen with covid We weren't sure if it was the next second coming of the bubonic plague or if it was something else in those early days. And everybody had their own reactions, right? I mean, some of us 
reacted, and, and, and St. Andrews was no different. We had people just like everybody else. I mean, people out there reacted. Some people reacted in fear and terror, right? And this was the next coming of the bubonic plague that was hiding behind every chair, every seat. It was going to lash out and grab you and kill you and do whatever it could to you. Other people reacted courageously. Uh, they knew that something bad could happen, but they were still going to go live their lives, or they had to because they were doctors or nurses or essential workers. Uh, some people just took a wait-and-see attitude. Um, some people, well, they had conspiracy theories on the right and on the left, or conspiracy theories about aliens, or whatever conspiracy theories there were out there. I mean, this is all human nature. And since that time, we've kind of all run the gamut on all kinds of things, and that's human nature as well. It's been a long road to hoe with this thing. <clears throat> and we've all had this, right? I mean, I've seen plenty of people who were courageous. Mike and I have been in the hospitals. I've been uh, a little bit longer than he has uh, over the 18 months, but he's been joining me now, and we see a lot of COVID patients. And I've seen a lot of people who were super brave about COVID, and then they end up in the hospital, and they're not so brave about COVID uh, because it's gotten pretty serious. And then I've seen people in the hospital who um, might have been scared before, but then they're f courageously facing what has come. And so I've seen a lot of different things going on. Uh, fear is a very interesting thing, I think. Uh, fear takes us, it grabs us, it grips us. It is very interesting. This little virus has laid bare our illusion of control and immortality, but it's also allowed the entire social order in our country and countries across the world to be put into turmoil. Bad actors are always going to take advantage of the chaos and things that can reliably cause chaos are war, pandemics, and economic collapse. And we've had one, the pandemic, and we almost had an economic collapse in the last 18 months. And that left a lot of countries devastated. And make no mistake, there are countries right now that are still devastated and still struggling. And so fear and those emotions which control fear are at and all time high. So what does Scripture have to say about fear? And how are we as the people of God called to deal with fear? How are we as the people of God called to minister to a culture that is gripped by fear and the consequences of fear and the consequences of what's happening around the world and those who are exploiting this fear? How do Christians reach out in this culture. And that's what we're going to begin <clears throat> looking at today and next week and maybe a little bit beyond, depending on how the Lord leads. Well, I had great ambitions to get beyond uh, uh, with some of these scriptures to get uh, further into the scripture, but I only made it one verse in. So uh, that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at Psalm 27.1. So crack your Bibles or your bulletins or just look up on the screen. Psalm 27.1. It says this, the Lord, and Lord is in all caps right here, the Lord, so when you see Lord in all caps, it says what? What word is that? Yahweh, or in Old English, Jehovah, right? So how, however you want to say it, Yahweh or Jehovah, uh, we're not sure the exact pronunciation. Uh, modern scholars think Yahweh is probably the more accurate translation. Yahweh is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I fear? Yahweh is the stronghold of my life. 
Of whom shall I be afraid? Now David <clears throat> opens this psalm with a verse that is well worth remembering. And I think this particular verse is a verse that we need to think about and we need to remember. If, if you were going to be on your deathbed, and a lot of people have been on their deathbeds, there have been a lot of people dying lately with the Delta virus, and uh, uh, the, fortunately the hospital numbers are down. Uh, that's one good thing. Uh, the, the negative part was uh, a lot of the reason the hospital numbers were down in the last couple weeks is a lot of people have died. And so we've met a lot of people on their deathbeds, uh, Mike and I have. And if you're on your deathbed, one of the things we're going to read to you often is this passage. We might read some other passages as well. But the Lord is my stronghold, and a, and, and a lot of people will be struggling, and they'll be looking for uh, comfort during these times. The Lord is my stronghold, of whom shall I be afraid? And this is a particularly powerful passage. Why? Because David mentions the covenantal name of God, or Yahweh here, and he says, I am, Yahweh means I am, that's basically what it's saying, is my light. And in the New Testament now, we're given a more intimate name of God than I am. In the Old Testament, he says, I am, Yahweh. What's the more intimate name we're given in the New Testament? What? Father. Father. You could replace this with the Father is my light, right? The Father is my light. We enter into a more intimate relationship because Jesus is our brother. Jesus brings us into this intimate relationship, but he says he's my light and my salvation. Now notice the structure of David's song. Yahweh is my light, which is my light in darkness, meaning in those situations in which you cannot see your way forward. I would submit to you that fear brings darkness. When you are afraid, you can't see your way forward. Fear is darkness. It covers you. You lose your way. You don't know what's going on. You don't know your way out. And David then says, the Lord is my light. Now this is significant, and one of the reasons I got lost in this is, if you remember our series on David, uh, we studied First Samuel. I don't, I don't know if a lot of you were here. A lot of you were here for that. Some of you were not here uh, back then when we were preaching on First Samuel. David is a very interesting character, and we preached on Second Samuel as well. We preached on both series. This is the Second Samuel series. You learned a lot about David as well. So the Second Samuel series, we saw a lot about David's life. He lived a very rough life. And so David knew fear, unlike most, uh, at a level that most people have never known fear. What do I mean by that? Well, when David was a boy, he grew up as a shepherd, and he fought off lions and bears as a boy. Now, how many of you have fought off lions and bears before? Show of hand, nobody here. And maybe those at home watching, how many of you have fought off lions and bears? And if you fought off lions and bears without a gun, right? He didn't have a gun, and he fought off lions and bears as a boy. And then when he grew up, he fought Goliath of Gath, who was the best warrior the Philistines had. He was huge, and David fought him and killed him. And then David was a, a musician in Saul, the king of Israel's court, and the king Saul tried to kill him 
As Saul became possessed by a demon, Saul tried to kill him multiple times with a spear and pin him to the wall, and David had to flee for his life. David became a warrior in Saul's army, gathered a group of men that were loyal to him, but Saul chased him around Israel trying to kill him with an army. Not only that, David had to hide in enemy territory with the very Philistines who wanted to kill him, and he had to to act either insane or like a spy, and if he was ever found out, he and his men would be murdered. Not only that, David had a baby boy who died, and he prayed day and night that this baby boy would survive, and he died. So he knew fear at that level as well. Not only that, David had a son who betrayed him, and led an army in civil war against him, and his people got slaughtered, thousands of people died, and he lived in fear of that. So David understood fear of all kinds. David's the one who writes this psalm. David understood darkness intimately. Now in your life, have you understood the darkness of fear? Have you lived at a time when you can't see your way out? Have you lived in fear of something when it's blinded you, when you don't know your way forward? That's what David's writing about. When he says, the Lord is my light, that's what he means. It's the light forward. It's the light when an army is encamped against you that is too big for you to conquer and you're terrified, and you don't know where to go. It's the light when a king wants to murder you, and you don't know how to get out. It's the light when you're in enemy territory, and if they find you out, you're going to die. It's the light when you're a Jew in a concentration camp. How are you going to survive? It's the light when you're in a hospital with COVID and you fear your death. What's going to happen next? The Lord is your light when all is out of control. You see, COVID has shattered our illusion of being in control. That's all that's really happened. So many of us in the Western world live with this illusion that we control things, and you don't. You never did. At any moment, you could die. But we have this little virus that is not the bubonic plague. It is not a plague like the world has faced before. The world has faced far worse, and people got up every day and went to work. But we act like this is the worst thing that humanity has ever seen, and we live in terror. Why? Because in the Western world, we have never dealt with this kind of thing in our lifetime. And so we fear it. It shattered our illusion of control. But in England, in World War II, they also had this same problem when the Germans came bombing. Why? Because at any moment, a bomb could fall and kill anyone. It shattered their illusion of control. We live with this illusion of control, and when it's shattered, all of a sudden fear takes over. 
But fear can take over in our lives in more ways than just illness. In what ways has fear taken over in your life? <clears throat> Ted Kyle writes, Several generations ago, during one of the most turbulent of the desert wars in the Middle East, a spy was captured, and he was sentenced to death by a general of the Persian army. Now, the general was a man of intelligence and compassion, and he had adopted a strange and unusual custom in such cases. He permitted the condemned person to make a choice. The prisoner could either face a firing squad or pass through the black door. As the moment of the execution drew near, the general ordered the spy to be brought before him for a short final interview, the primary purpose of which was to find out, would you rather go to the firing squad or pass through the dreaded black door? Now, it wasn't an easy decision, and the prisoner hesitated. But soon, he made it known that he much preferred the firing squad to the unknown horrors that might await him behind the ominous and mysterious black door. Now, not long thereafter, a volley of shots was fired in the courtyard, announced, and it announced that the grim sentence had been fulfilled. The general was staring at his boots in thoughtful repose. He turned to his aide and he said, you see how it is with men? They'll always prefer the known to the unknown. It's characteristic of people to be afraid of the undefined, he said. Yet I gave him a choice. What lies beyond the black door, the aide asked him. Freedom, replied the general. And I've only known a few brave men that would take it. You see, fear brings a certain darkness in our lives, and you might even call it a gloom. It grips us, and it chokes out joy. Most of us in our lives will have that big black door, the mysterious one, of which we're all afraid, afraid to open at one point. And what's going to prevent us from opening that big black door? It's only going to be fear. When we live in fear, we stop living to the fullest of what God has called us to do. Are you living in fear at this moment? What is your big black door? Are you afraid to get into a serious relationship? I see this all the time. People that are afraid to get hurt. Well, I got hurt in a previous time and I don't want to get hurt again. Maybe if I open this door, it'll go wrong. I don't want to do that again. <clears throat> I want to get married. I want to have kids. I, I have all these long-term goals, but, it, but if I go through one more heartbreak, I just don't think I could take it. I can't go through that big black door. But what if the next relationship is the one? Or what if two more relationships after that are the one? Or maybe the Lord has called you to take a chance on a new job or a new career or even move to a new country. Maybe you've been afraid to make a major change in your life for your health or get rid of a destructive relationship or a behavior, but you're just so afraid of what will happen without it. For you, the death from what you know is more preferable than whatever waits behind the black door. What King David is saying in our psalm is that for those in God, He should be your light. You shouldn't be afraid of the darkness. 
Are you afraid of the darkness? Choosing that firing squad is always the wrong way, he says. And practically speaking, what he means is that we should be living in faith and in courage. Our hope is in the Lord. Faith is fundamentally trusting in the Lord, and fear is fundamentally a lack of trust in the Lord. If you're living in fear, you're not living in faith. Are you living in fear? What are you afraid of? Why not trust the Lord? Fear is no way to live your life. The Father is truth, he says, and that truth shines light into this dark world, meaning it exposes the lies around us when we're anchored in the truth. So when I'm praying with folks who are believers who are terrified about dying or about to go on the respirator. I was just praying with somebody who was about to go on the respirator the other day. Um, She was terrified and was kind of searching. We prayed with her, went over prayers in the prayer book, went over different prayers, and you could see a calmness come upon her. She felt better at the end, she said. I know I'm ready if I die now to meet the Lord. I have no fear, she said. Now, she didn't want to pass because her children had just lost their father a a day or two before. They were older children, but they had just lost them. But she was ready, and she knew where she was going. The fear had subsided because she realized she was an eternal creature. There's a beauty in death. There's a beauty in death when we know where we're going. There's nothing to fear if you are in Christ. We're all going to be there someday. There's a beauty in going through the black door, no matter what your circumstance is in life, whatever that chance is. You've got to trust the Lord and understand that there are great things for you beyond that great door, no matter what it is. It may be scary, but when the Lord asks you to open it, go through it. He's never failed me when I've done it. 1 Peter 2.9 says this, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This verse is a powerful reminder to us to remember who we are in the Father. And this is the truth. And He is the truth. And this is what it means to dwell in the light. So if this is the truth, then what what am I afraid of? Why am I living in fear? One day, we're all going to go meet God. So what am I living in fear of at this moment? Why not trust Him? You are a chosen people. He has good things for you. Live into what He has for you. So in those moments of fear, what I do is fall on my knees, give it to God, and ask Him the way forward. And then listen and trust and move forward. Let Him be your light. 
and him be your salvation. Trust in him and do what he asks. And wonderful things will happen. Not always the things you expect and not always easy things, but he will get you through. And that's what it means to be a believer. And that's what it means to shine in the darkness. And when we begin to practice this, we begin to live instead of just exist. And when we begin to live, we have something to offer those around us. Right? We begin to share, and we have something that we can begin to share with those around us. Amen? to do but through the busyness of the week I didn't do it and um, so Tamara is the only one that knows this song and I know it too you may know it but I wanted to share it with you because it was exactly from the scripture that she, she read from and maybe you might know it it's just an old chorus short chorus 